From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Hey, welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary traveler. Hang your cloak on a peg. Grab a stool and come gather around the fire. There are stories to be told, and you are among friends. Dr. David Cook is uh, going to help us all laugh at political correctness. He'll help us regain our freedom by scoffing at the lies of the radical left. First of all, let me introduce the uh, the boys in the band on the Flying V Gibson guitar, technical producer Ian Robertson. Uh, on the Rickenbacker bass guitar and occasionally the theremin, story producer Albert Vinzel. And finally, on the Hammond B3, live stream producer Ryan White. And we are streaming uh, live on our YouTube channel tonight. Please drop by and hit the red subscription button. Uh, where are we now in terms of uh, subscribers? It's what we're around seventy five hundred or so. Yeah, seven thousand. I like seven thousand five hundred mm-hmm. better. Sounds better. Seven thousand five hundred. All right. And um, Albert, who do we have coming up on the program uh, next week? We have uh, some uh, biggies. Jim Jim D Eugenio on JFK again. Ah, uh, uh, yes. And then Linda Moulton Howe, who will plug Ace, Ace 2018. The Alien Cosmic Expo, and uh, thank you for rem- reminding me. I will be there. Uh, that's uh, running June the 22nd, 23rd, and 24th at the Toronto Marriott, the Toronto Airport Marriott Hotel. And I'll be there on the, the Sunday, uh, and I will be moderating the Disclosure Roundtable with all of the heavyweights, including Linda and Richard Dolan and Stanton Friedman and uh, Grant yeah, Cameron it's, and, it's and others. A, it's a great chance to meet and greet and get a photo and a book signing. And That's right. This is Stanton Friedman's sort of his swan song. He's doing yeah. one more live event after Ace, and that is the Roswell anniversary in July. And then he's basically hanging hanging him up. He's uh, he'll be available for radio and so forth, but he's not going to do the touring. He's like he's 85 now. I mean he's he's uh, he's put in his time and he's done it admirably. All right, uh, let's get to it, shall we? Political correctness, at least in its its present extreme and radical form, is certainly worthy of derision and indeed laughter. Uh, but PC culture is is clearly no laughing matter. In fact, it's destroying lives. I think that's pretty well documented. I don't believe it's hyperbole uh, to suggest that, left unchecked, the purveyors of political correctness represent an existential threat to Western civilization. Nevertheless, my guest this hour says laughter may be the one weapon political correctness fears. So let's go with it. If it works, let's do that. Dr. David Cook is an optometrist specializes, uh, specializing in enhancing vision perception. How appropriate. And previously, he authored Biomythology, Charles Darwin and the Science of Persuasion. He's a European-American who is proud of the heritage that gave us Plato, Shakespeare, Einstein, and Hiroshima. Hmm? Got to ask him about that. I'm going to need you to explain that last one, David. First of all, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? Good to be here, Richard, and I'm great. So, the Hiroshima reference, what do we mean by that? You're, you're uh, proud well, of the heritage? Well, what I was talking about there is that the Europeans have given us a lot, and um, but they did give us the technology also for Hiroshima, and they gave us a lot of other great technology, too. But um, every um, blessing it can be a bit of a curse, and certainly political correctness, which has um, some good thoughts in mind, um, can be a very big curse. 
Ah, so I see what you were doing there then, saying the technology, obviously, nuclear energy and so forth is good, but the downside is, of course, Hiroshima, which was a total nightmare and not unlike political correctness, which has certainly done, I, I suppose, in its, in its earlier forms, has sort of raised awareness about things that we all need to be sensitive about, but again, left unchecked, it just becomes a total nightmare. The subtitle of your book is, is actually a joke. How many light bulbs does it take to change a liberal? What's the punchline? Well, the punchline, essentially in biology, when you talk about discrimination, um, you talk about an organism can tell things are different, and the reason you can tell that is they act differently towards the things. So if you put an amoeba next to vinegar, they're going to act differently than if you put an amoeba next to sugar. And so because they act differently you know they can discriminate. And then discrimination more recently has the idea that um, you're treating groups differently. Uh, so the punchline essentially is that liberals are not allowed to discriminate. So they can't tell if the light is on or off. So <laughs> okay. a light bulb doesn't have much of a chance. <laughs> That's a really involved punchline, but it's worth sticking around for it. There's kind of the, the um, a slightly different version. Normally, uh, I'm used to the line, how many liberals does it take to change a light bulb? And the answer is none. They sit around and wait for a government program to be developed to fix the light bulb manufacturing industry, and then they ask, why isn't that industry unionized? That's not a very good joke either. That's that's kind of yeah. a long... <laughs> but I mean, that same thing, if we had used it differently, it would have been politically incorrect. You can, of course, you can diss um, liberals. That's fine. If I had said, how many light bulbs um, does it take to change a woman, I would have been a sexist. If I had said, how many light bulbs does it take to change an African-American, I would have been a racist. If I said, how many light bulbs does it take to to change um, some from from the um, LGBT community, I would have been a homophobe. So the whole idea that um, you can't tell a joke without being politically correct is um, when you have to stoop to talk about liberals. You know, I mean that that's. That's pretty rough, but anyway. Well, it's funny you mention uh, comedy because a lot of comedians simply, they don't do the college campus circuit anymore. They can't. It's a, it's a whole industry uh, that's been destroyed because uh, the, the politically correct crowd, and many of them to be found obviously on university campuses, which is sort of inculcating this whole PC culture, uh, they simply don't laugh. And I used, to, I, I used to love to listen to the comedy channel and on the radio, but it's all very political and angry now. It's not even, it's not humor, the way I remember it. Anyway, I think that irreverence and iconoclasm are useful against irrational groupthink, but I guess my concern is that political correctness is being so recklessly wielded by very powerful people, and lives are being destroyed, that again, it's no laughing matter. But how did we get here? How did it become so weaponized, political correctness? Well... I mean, I don't, I don't know. There was a, a politician or a guy, Saul Alinsky, you know, who inspired um, Hillary and inspired um, Barack Obama. And he says in his Rules for Radicals, which was a book he wrote, right. ridicule is man's most potent weapon. And so we are ridiculing people. Now, when I talk about political correctness, I'm not saying that you can use the N-word to insult people for no reason. No, no, no. Of um, course not. I think that's just wrong. Why would you insult anybody 
you know, just to insult them, and why would you um, be mean to people? I mean, that doesn't make any sense. But it's been flipped around, so now it's, you're talking about, like, disturbing livelihoods and contributions to society. We have a new seven deadly sins. They used to be pride, covetous, lust, anger, gluttony, envy, sloth. Now they're racism, sexism, nativism, homophobia, xenophobia, and intolerance, and hate speech. The hate speech, of course, we can laugh at that because if Madonna has been thinking about blowing up the White House, that's perfectly okay. But if Mel Gibson a year earlier had thought about blowing up the White House, he would have been in prison. Precisely, um, yeah. So we do have to, we just have to laugh at some of these terms. Um, you know, I, I was going to, sorry, David. hate, but um, it shouldn't be a political Right. And and, right. The, and the important point, I think, to be made is that if everyone is a racist, then no one is a racist. And what it does is it undercuts or un, uh, diminishes the real racism that we know exists. Uh, right. We, yeah. I mean, uh, racism, when you're talking about terrorizing people, when you're talking about killing people, taking their lives, taking their property, this is this is heinous. I mean, this is just terrible things. Um, if I were talking about um, how many African Americans does it take to, or how many light bulbs does it take to change an African American, which I have no answer to, but if I were doing that joke and that was put in the same ballpark as terrorism, then there's a problem. The term becomes wishy-washy. It can be used, like you said, for anyone. In some sense, you know, if you love your race, whatever your race happens to be, and you loved it, and you love other races, but you love your own more, you're a racist, okay? That isn't really what the term really means. It's about terrible inequalities that have been um, thrust on society for decades and almost good centuries even. So that is bad. But throwing around that term, let's say you have somebody that hates the whole human race, well, then that would be misanthrope. And if you had somebody that just hated part of the human race, well, then they're um, a racist or a sexist or whatever. Well, um, and, and the sad part is that, for example, in the radical left, you have radical environmentalists who do hate humanity. They consider humanity or humankind to be a cancer on the earth. Uh, and yet, you know, they're sort of held up as the paragon of, of virtue, part of the, uh, the new moral majority. We'll uh, come back and continue to discuss political correctness and how we should laugh at political correctness with Dr. David Cook. Here on The Conspiracy Show, my name is Richard Serrett. Stay with us. Where there's smoke, there's The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back. Dr. David Cook is with us, the author of Laughing at Political Correctness. David, I'm a, a great admirer of uh, conservative commentator, radio host Dennis Prager. Many people will be familiar with uh, Prager University uh, videos on YouTube, those that haven't been taken down because they uh, espouse conservative thought. But I, I think that Dennis makes a vitally important point that in order to prevail in this culture war, we have to stop picking fights with liberals because they're not the problem. And he draws an important distinction between liberals, the classical liberal, which he would count himself uh, among, and the radical left, the cultural Marxists, the radical progressives who are really to blame for this whole PC culture. What do you think? Your thoughts? 
Well, like I mentioned before, with um, Alensky's ridicule as man's most potent weapon, he was a um, an agitator, an activist. Um, he certainly had far less sympathy, sympathies, and we're seeing that with these attacks. Now, I'm you have the real left, just like the right. We're you know we have our feelings. We want the country to do well, and then you have the illiberal left who don't want us to say anything. Well, when you start getting into stopping free speech, when you're saying, don't anybody say anything because you could lose your job if you do, well, you're you're slipping right towards not only socialism, but communism. When you start engineering a society that is no longer afraid to speak up, and it's a problem. Just There's this confusing of people's political views and who they are. You have like George Washington, okay? He was a racist. And right now, George Washington would be taken out. The question would be, sure, that would make George Washington in trouble. He wouldn't have a job anymore. He couldn't be president. But moreover, we might not have a nation because he had special talents. So he had his unuseful attitudes and he also had all of these gifts, which really helped form the nation, because he motivated a lot of people. He inspired a lot of people. And as a result, we do have a nation. Thomas Jefferson, another racist, should we just say, well, we would rather he had never written the Declaration of Independence? The document was used originally to get Europeans on our side. The idea was, well, we're leaving England, but it's... We have all these very good reasons to leave England. And so he voiced those, trying to get Europe on our side, and, and eventually he did get the French on our side, and that was a big help in, in the thing. So on one side, you have people who have unuseful attitudes, unuseful ideologies. On the other hand, those same people have talents. And so what we're seeing when somebody is attacked it's not only that they're being hurt, it's that the whole society is being hurt because we're losing those talents. And that's what really concerns me. Again, it's not about freedom to use the N-word, or well, who wants to use it anyway? But it's about not taking out our contributors. You could take somebody who has spent a lifetime of service, who has done many, many good things and will continue to do good things, and yet, because of political correctness, that person could be taken out. And that is um, worrisome. That is, well, it is a revolution. It's trying to um, change things. And I think the other lesson there is the folly of judging previous generations by the same yardstick that we now judge ourselves. So, uh, exactly. So God... Uh, help us in in 200 years how we will be judged for eating meat or who knows vaccines who knows you know uh, <laughs> it's it's a very very dangerous game and what happens is in the end that old saying an eye for an eye you, everyone ends up blind right yeah with Harvey Weinstein for instance which was unfortunate in many ways. So if we want to get rid of Harvey Weinstein from history, then we also have to get rid of Shakespeare and love, and we have to get rid of the King's Speech, and even worse yet, we got to get rid of Piranha 3D. 
Um, you know, it was just great news. <laughs> that would be, great. that would, that would really hurt. Piranha 3D. Yeah, yes. Yeah, it really would. You know, all those Playboy bunnies being eaten by little fish. Um, without that, you know, our, our culture wouldn't be the same. But when you're talking about the past and now, there was a time when with sex, I mean, you had one group that would just say, well, it's, it's out of wedlock. There's no, no room for it. And I'm not disrespecting that group. And you had a, another group that said, well, if sex was consensual, if both parties agreed to it, then that was okay. And so you had people that were thinking that way. Now, recently, after um, the Weinstein stuff came out um, in publishing, there's uh, an author, his name's James Dashner. And he's the author of The Maze Runner, The Scorch Trials, The Death Cure. His books in that series have sold 10 million copies. And the movies, based on his books, have grossed $900 million. Um, the guy's net worth is four hundred for $4 million. So he's done well. Well, on January 3rd, this article comes out in the School Library Journal, and there are lots of comments afterwards in the article and one of them was was written by a non um hash dash me too so anonymous me too said that he dasher offered to be my mentor using praise and flattery of my writing and promises to use his connections to help elevate my career to the level of his but it was all bait and switch when I made it clear that I was not going to give him what he wanted in return, our mentorship relationship ended. Okay, now this is a guy, once upon a time he would have been called a philanderer. He is a married man, but there's no mention that it's adultery that's the problem. The problem is that he um, was using his fame and power to secure sex, essentially. But he would have been called a philanderer, he might have been called a Casanova, might have been called a Lothario or a Don Juan or a, a womanizer. But today, with the politically correct term, is he is a sexual predator, which sounds pretty bad. Right. And this is one of the calling cards of... I, I, I want to make the distinction between the radical left and, and classical liberals, because I think you and I, for example, we, sh we have a great deal in common with classical liberals. You know, freedom of speech and privacy and the individual and, and so forth. But the radical left, they want to blur all lines of distinction. And that's a perfect example. There's no line now between an unwanted, let's say, proposition and someone who's obviously sexually assault, for example. There's no distinction now, and there should be, obviously. An, un an unwanted advance by someone is uh, easily handled with no, no thank you or a, a drink in the face or something like that. But to blur the distinction is just dangerous. Yeah, and, and, and this guy, I mean, essentially at this point, consensual doesn't count anymore. When you go on a date, you need to bring a notary, and you need to have a disclaimer of conflict of interest so that it says, I'm going to have sex with you, but I don't expect to get anything out of it. Okay? And you also have to have a breath test to make sure that whoever it is isn't intoxicated. So it gets kind of, you know, crowded in the car with the lab tech and the notary and everything. But I guess it, it's, it probably would have its thing. Now, my thought is, from a laughing standpoint, people do get seduced by fame. 
they don't act like their normal self. They do things they wouldn't normally do when they're around fame. Same thing for power and the same thing for beauty. Fame, power, beauty. So my thought was that we need a hashtag Burka Me Too. I think we should all wear burkas so that nobody can tell who's famous, nobody can tell who's powerful, nobody can tell who's beautiful, and then see how things panned out. I don't know what you think of that idea. <laughs> Not a fan. Not a fan of that idea, I, but I get I get the, uh, the point. A very important point that you make over and over again in laughing at political correctness is the demonizing of perfectly sensible words. Uh, words that have real meaning and real purpose. And you alluded to this earlier, and that is uh, the word discrimination. And how, obviously, it's part of the natural order of things. We need to discriminate in order to survive. You gave the example of the amoeba or a plant, uh, for example, that discriminates uh, light versus darkness and so forth. Uh, the idea that, or this this way that the left has co-opted and perverted that word, it's it's very Orwellian. You know, the war, war is peace, freedom is slavery, ignorance is strength. Are there some other examples uh, that you could cite how the left has taken a perfectly useful word and, and twisted it, corrupted it? Yeah. You get, I mean, one word that gets thrown around is equality, and equality um, has different meanings, okay? And yet um, anything that's, you know, if we were truly equal, um, there would be no need for bra sizes. Um <laughs> and equality, you have equality under the law, you know, the rule of law. The laws are going to treat us equally. Right. Um, and then you have laws that are made to try to make us equal. So like Beyonce and I, if we're driving and, um, and we break the speed limit, then Beyonce should get the same ticket that I would get. And that would be equality under the law. Um on the other hand, if they wanted to tax Beyonce and Jay, um, they could spend their whole billion bucks on trying to make me equal with Beyonce, and my voice would still not be the same. I could never, um, voice lessons just wouldn't do it. And if they wanted us to be able to dance the same way, well, then um, they'd have to cremate us. Um, so e- equality is one of those words that gets mixed up. It gets thrown around. It sounds great. Um, but the two types of equality are confused all the time. Well, we're going to make people equal. We're not going to make people equal, but we would like them treated equally under the law. The whole um, the movement on um, Black Lives Matter, um, the reason that that has been necessary is there are a lot of people that don't think um, that um, blacks are human. This was... Um, Back in the Civil War, um, the Republicans said they were human. Um, the Democrats said they weren't human. Um, you could do the, the same thing on fetuses now. Some say they're human. Some say they're not human. But the only reason why you need, all you really need is lives matter. All life matters. Um, all lives, human lives matter. But as long as people are treated like they're not human, well, then that's a big problem. So that goes to equality under the law. Um, for a long time, um, blacks weren't protected by the law. They were lynched, um, their property was destroyed, and the law did nothing. So 
they feel upset about that. But now by doing the Black Lives Matter, you're taking something that should be about humanity. Humanity matters. We all matter. And you're turning it into a political statement. Well, this is um, how silly it's, it's gotten. There is a, um, a university a campus. I'm not sure which one it is uh, on the West Coast. Uh, where the where to, if you were to say that the only race that matters is the human race, that is now listed as one of the microaggressions on their long right. list by these self-appointed priests of language. Can you imagine? This is how far or how how far well, we've can, come or how low we've come. You can't even say um, that color blindness is good. That you treat all people equally because um, there are volumes written on. Um, white privilege, which would be used to say you are a racist if you treat people equally. Um, that if you are colorblind and you tr- want everybody treated equally, you don't want any mention of race in the laws, you want them equal for everyone, you would be considered a racist. So that's um, pretty strange. Martin Luther um, King Jr. Uh, would be rolling in his grave. This is the man that said, you know, we don't want to be judged by the color of our skin, but by the quality of our character. Uh, and that has been entirely flipped around. Uh, yeah. We're just taking so, giant leaps backwards. Uh, Dr. David Cook stays with us. Laughing at political correctness. More on the other side. Stay with us. Beaming across North America, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back. Dr. David Cook is with us, laughing at political correctness. How do we get the book, David? Well, the book is uh, available on Amazon, and you can actually look through the table of contents on the book. I mean, there's a chapter in there, but there's also the table of contents, and it's an annotated table of contents. It tells exactly what is in each chapter, so that you're interested in racism, um, you could turn to that chapter. If you're interested in sexism, homophobia, um, nativism, whatever your interest is, you can find it in the table of contents, and it tells you a little bit about it, and you can see if you wanted to read that or not. I wanted to get your uh, take on some things that have been in the news. There is this sexuality expert in the U.K. who says parents... I have to really, you know, try and keep a straight face here. Uh, parents should ask their child's permission before changing their nappies, their diapers, so they can set up a culture of consent. What do you yeah. make of that? Um, this is um, great. Like in my practice, um, when I see a three-year-old that runs the whole family, this is not necessarily a good thing. Developmentally, you don't have a whole lot of ideas yet when you're um, younger, and you certainly don't have any abstract reasoning at all. So when you start talking about, like, the core curriculum, for instance, where they're going to teach people a new way to do math, and the new math is going to teach them the logic behind math. The only thing is, this is done for first graders, and they're going to be 13 before they even have the logic to understand the logic. So developmentally, at different ages, we have things. Now, this whole attack on parents, on putting um, children ahead of parents, is crazy. And, but essentially what it does is it takes children away from parents and gives them to the government. So just like Hitler did his child thing and um, 
other groups have were um, Plato, you know. He wanted to take the kids away from the parents. So this idea of empowering children over their parents as opposed to empowering parents over their children is just a way to put the government in charge of everything. Um, the idea is, who do you want to raise your children? Do you want to raise them? Or would you like President Trump to raise them? Or would you like Hillary Clinton to raise your children? Who do you think would do the best job on raising your children? Well, I kind of look at it like I would prefer that parents have the, the choice to raise their, their children or not, um, and not the government. And I see, like, homeschoolers, and they raise their kids in one way, and the kids come in, and if they touch my equipment, the typical homeschool parent would say, well, that's not your property. Do you want to pay for that if you break it? And psychology-oriented family would say, well, he's exploring. He needs to learn. Well, it is true that he is exploring, and it is true that that's how children learn is um, they see with their hands. Yeah, but not on my dime. <laughs> they don't learn yeah. on my time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they see with their hands when they're young, you know, and some of them, as we mentioned, see with their hands when they're older, but they can't do that anymore. But anyway... So this is ridiculous stuff, but the thing is, it's done under the name of science. The person who made it uh, was probably a behavioral or whatever, but science, as I wrote in a different book, it's very different, the science of microbiology, say, and the science of uh, biochemistry and the science of physics are very, very different than the behavioral sciences. Those are pretty much group agreement type science. If everybody concurs on something, well, then it must be true. So this whole thing on giving kids, you know, a chance to destroy themselves is not so good. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't go for that, but I do see it as weakening the family. And when you do take it away from the family, you're giving it to the government. And I'd much rather see... Now, you do have parents that are, are rotten parents, but the question is, do you want to take away the rights of all the good parents to protect the rotten parents? And I don't go for that at all. I don't think you should be taking away the freedoms of the able because some aren't quite up to them. No, that's that's simply not the way we make laws. Uh, it's not based on the worst-case scenario. Uh, it's a horrible way to make law. Uh, we're, we're coming up on a break here, but I, I, we can start the conversation now and continue it after. And I want to talk about this other story. The, the, the term cultural appropriation has reared its ugly head in recent days. This uh, poor uh, girl who, who wore a Chinese dress to her prom and then was lambasted by all these virtue-signaling twits on Twitter. Um, one of them was, my culture is not your G-damn prom dress. Uh, what was your uh, reaction to that? Well, our culture um, in the homeschool movement, and we see a lot of homeschoolers, they've taken culture, they've given up on the government, essentially, and they're, and they're culturizing their own kids. So in America, the thing that made us so different from all everywhere else is people came here, and sure, they loved their homelands, but they wanted to be Americans, and they wanted to be a part of this culture, and so they became assimilated. Um, second generation, the kids are already doing well in most cases. Um, and they did it by adopting American culture. Um, to say that all cultures are equal, um, well, 
the American culture has been pretty darn good. I mean, you don't have a lot of examples of 200 years of freedom, which is, of course, slipping away, but you don't have that that often. And so there's something about our culture that's different. There's something that allowed us to assimilate all these groups. But the idea, though, for example, that, you know, I used to see, for example, tourists coming back from Jamaica, and they might be European, and they would have their hair braided in a certain way. They call it cornrows. And now that's just not on. You can't do that. That's cultural appropriation. And this girl, she can't wear a Chinese dress to a prom because she's not Chinese. Uh, uh, t- to me, that's the antithesis of uh, a tolerance. That's that's an elitism. Yes. You can't well, you can't wear a tie because you're not uh, uh, from the West. Uh, you can't wear blue jeans because you're not a rancher from the American Southwest. That's that is that really where we want to go? All right, we'll uh, take a time out and come back with Dr. David Cook. One final segment remaining: laughing at political correctness, right here on the Conspiracy Show. Follow the truth. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Laughing at political correctness, author Dr. David Cook is with me. And just a reminder, coming up at the top of the hour, Rosemary Ellen Guiley, our paranormal investigator, along with Paul Tate, documentary filmmaker. And uh, wait till you hear about this harrowing uh, documentary film project that Rosemary was involved with, uh, that Paul Tate uh, has... um, uh, directed. It's called Supernatural Assault, Terror from the Shadows. It's available on uh, DVD and Blu-ray, and we'll tell you how to get that as well. Uh, all right, so we were talking about cultural appropriation before the break, uh, David. Now, this is a, a topic that really gets my, my wife exercised because she is of Greek heritage. She loves her Greek culture. Uh, and so whenever she hears people whinging and complaining about cultural appropriation, uh, she says, well... You know, does that mean that I should demand people stop using words like zoology and, uh, well, heck, even, even, even xenophobia is a Greek word. So xenophobia, if you use xenophobia, if you say someone's being xenophobic, you're, you're cultural, you're appropriating Greek culture. Right. Yeah. If you, um, if you have somebody do anything that's given to us, um, by the Europeans, um, if you want to say Hiroshima or you you want to say um, Plato, um, you are appropriating culture. And it's, I mean, in America, we've gotten into this putting heritage um, before country. You know, you're, a, you're an Asian American. You're um, an African American, where it's kind of like the heritage comes first and then country comes second. Um, and this isn't really what we need. Um, one of my favorite actresses and I really forget her name at the moment but um, she's in Guardians of the Galaxy where she's green in Guardians of the Galaxy she was blue in um, Avatar Avatar. Um, she's black in Star Trek Um, she calls herself an American when you look at her bio material Um, and um, I like that and I think we should but I mean Sure, we do borrow from all sorts of cultures. Um, and, um, you know, Italians can eat pizza. They can take it home and they can they can um, use it in Italy, even though they probably never heard of pizza in their lives in Italy before it came from America. So um, right. the, the who, owns, who owns what, when it comes to thought, it's really tricky. Um, 
And if you just look at the um, English language, it is just you've got every imaginable um, place that English has come from. Um, so you can't even use the English language without appropriating everybody's culture. So, I mean, it's ridiculous. But anyway. Well, this is the problem when you take the uh, the arguments from those on the radical left and you sort of distill it down to, I guess, its essence. What you end up with is something that looks a lot like a Monty Python sketch. Exactly. No, it's um, it's crazy. It's kind of like if... Um, if a white um, underestimates um, blacks, that would be racism. And if a black underestimated whites, that would be justice. Um, men, if they undervalue women, um, that's sexism. And if women undervalue men, that's liberation. Exactly. Um, if, if you have undocumented abuse of immigrants, um, becomes criminal, but criminal abuse of immigration becomes undocumented. The words, they lose all meaning. They are um, they're meaningless terms. The, when I said I was upset about you know the the racism, um, sexism, nativism, um, these terms they're just um, very questionable. Of course, on the nativism thing, you know, when you start talking about the the, the new world order and um, kind of like trying to destroy all the boundaries, all of the borders, right. um, so we can all be ruled by one big group who could um, really screw up. Um, nativism is interesting because in America, I mean, when I was writing the book and looking at the statistics, the average prostitute makes about um, $290,000, and the average lawyer um, makes about $130,000. And um, that's largely because of nativism. If you look at... Um, at the laws, when they were passed, they all excluded prostitutes. You cannot bring prostitutes in, to America. Um, you're in trouble if you do. Um, if instead they'd allow prostitutes to come in and um, banned um, lawyers, um, then lawyers would be making enough that they didn't have to moonlight as politicians. Um, <laughs> and it, life would be a lot better. Indeed. Indeed. Is that what is at the root of this is ultimately... The purveyors of political correctness are merely, you know, foot soldiers. They may not understand the machinations sort of higher up or the agenda, but is the agenda, uh, as at least as I see it, the destruction of the nation state and also the destruction of Western civilization? Um, well, certainly the destruction of the nation state without a... But if you look at all of it, it's all going um, equality, 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 but they're not really after equality, that's just the carrot. The stick is an elite will rule. And if we can take everybody else out, if we can take entire parties out, if we can take anybody out that thinks different than the new elite, then that essentially is political correctness. It's a, it's a scary thing. Um, and yet it starts out well enough Um like the N-word, for instance, there's not a lot of use for it. Um, so that would make sense. We don't need that word. Um, Mark Twain, of course, um, he used it 200 and some times in, um, in Huckleberry Finn, and so that's now been um, boulderized, or Samuel Boulder was the guy that um, took all the nasty words out of Shakespeare. Right. Um, and um, so somebody else took it um, 
took out the N-word out of, of Mark Twain um, because people were upset by it, and so they wouldn't read Twain. I recently um, I spoke at a, at a group. I gave 13 hours of lecture um, on a rather intricate area about um, eye care. doesn't matter what it is. When I was done, one of my um, evaluation out of 13 hours, the person got um, disappointing that the course is taught by a sexist. And what had happened, um, I was pretty busy teaching the course, and I was working with a lot of people, and I work with some um, female doctors that are about 30, 35 years younger than I am, and I called them girls. So that was... Um, how dare you? <laughs> yeah, a 40-year-old um, said that about somebody 35 years younger than them. That would have been okay, but, I mean, I kind of lose it. But anyway, so that is that is too bad because to take 13 hours of lecture and reduce it to one political thought, um, that is just destroying uh, what we can be. And, you know, this is one of the sad parts is... Uh, and again, it comes back to equality and what, what they mean, the left, radical left, not classical liberals. I think it's important to keep hammering that point. We're not fighting classical liberals. They're our brothers and sisters. Can I still say right. that? Uh, yeah, the, the, you're, you're talking <laughs> about a group that thinks that the best way to help people is through their viewpoint as opposed to a conservative viewpoint, and that's just fine. Right, but, right. Uh, but the, 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 so the radical left is destroying the distinction between everything uh, including borders, but also between genders. And one of the great joys in life is celebrating the differences between uh, men and women and boys and girls. Uh, you know, this this is all leading to, I think, ultimately, this sort of a dystopian Maoist China. That's I think that's their template. Well, that's a good example of equality. You know, like Orwell said, some pigs are more equal than others. And so you do have a, a small elite, and you do have abolition of free thought. Um, and with political correctness, we are getting, when you have people, see, we have been very competitive. We have free thought. We can um, think what we want. We can create what we want. And we have, our geniuses have created, created all sorts of things. In China, they have much more control of things, but on the other hand, their geniuses don't have free thought. And so that that put them back, way far back, because people couldn't think freely. Um, so when we start not allowing people to think freely, where you have to kind of check your language, kind of think, now, is this going to be okay? Because what we're doing is we're taking politics and we're saying this is morality. Um, so if you're immoral, then that's a, that's a real bad thing. So you don't really want to be immoral, but if this isn't morality, this is straight politics. This is a revolution. This is trying to, um, change, um, the whole power structure. Now, I'm not saying that that's bad changing the power structure, but I'm saying that's what it is. They want to change the power structure and if that's politics. So don't pass it off as morality. And what people need to do is is kind of look at it for what it is and laugh at it and say, "Yeah, good good try, folks. Um, you're you're selling politics here. You're not selling morality. Um, 
and um, I can think in a different way, and I'm still okay. And and it's okay that you think in that way. Um, it just shows you're a moron, you know. <laughs> well, it is. It is a revolution, and and it is at the least at the moment, it's relatively nonviolent. My concern is uh, this. Uh, constant attempt to dehumanize someone for their politics, criminalize a differing viewpoint, uh, is not going to end well. And it's, I know it's a cliche, but it is a slippery slope and we could easily fall into a violent, uh, revolution. Not a revolution or, uh, a civil war like North versus South. I mean, this will, this will fracture households. This will be, uh, an unimaginable horror show. Yeah, it sure could be. I, um, but it's, it's kind of like we got to keep freedom of speech kind of first. Freedom of speech is what makes the other freedoms possible. When you look at the civil rights movement, there wouldn't have been one if we didn't have freedom of speech. Um, and when you look at, um, the whole gay movement, um, there wouldn't be one without freedom of speech. Um, so freedom of speech is kind of senior. So whenever anybody is telling us that we can't speak what's on our minds, um, that's taking away what's most important. Right. And, and that's what, as a nation, has, has made us what we are. We have all of these things. Um, many of them are, are protected by our Bill of Rights. Um, and... As they start whittling down the the Bill of Rights a little bit at a time, then you're talking about takeover time. You're talking about real nasty time, and and I agree with you that that is not going anyplace good. In the meantime, though, we uh, we can laugh at political correctness because, as you point out, and I think uh, very wisely, that is the one thing that political correctness fears, and that is laughter. Thanks very much for this, uh, David. Hope we uh, we can do it again sometime. It's great, Richard. Take care. Laughing at political correctness, right here on the Conspiracy Show. <laughs>